I like that new intro sound. I, I'm I'm a fan. What do you like? What, do you like that, Zach? Love it, man. Absolute banger. It's a great way to bring in episode number five. Man, we are we're five episodes in. This is pretty crazy. I feel like we just started. It's like Tim Duncan's rings. Yeah, just like Tim Duncan's rings. It's the first thing I thought of, honestly. <laughs> so how's uh, your week been? What you been up to? been pretty good man i'm just getting some stuff in order i go back to school in a week so i'm just trying to get some last minute things what about you man how's your week week's been pretty good that's crazy already going back to school um don't worry guys we're, we're still gonna continue this even when zach's in austin it's the plan yes, sir. um but yeah my week was okay i uh, i've been struggling i think we were talking about this before i've been struggling to find a new netflix show um, because I just, you know, feel like I've run out of everything at this point in quarantine. And I, everyone talks about Parks and Rec, and that's totally up my alley. But I started it four years ago, the night I finished The Office. That is the biggest mistake you can make. If I can offer any advice to any listeners out there, do not start Parks and Rec right after The Office or vice versa, because it's literally like the same thing. And you're going to feel like it's the worst show ever. But I waited four years, and I started it this week and I'm hooked. And so, you know, it's been a good week. I really can't complain. So good to know. I'm a big office guy. So maybe I'll have to check out uh, Parks and Rec. Just not too soon. Not too. Yeah. Got to give it a grace period there. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, I mean, sports world not doing so well. The Rangers got swept by the A's and the Mavs just got pummeled by, I feel like the wrong group of Clippers last night. Like if you had told me that we were going to lose to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Lou Williams, I would have been like, okay, you know, that's reasonable. But it was Zubach and Shamit and God forbid, Jamichael Green <laughs> dominating. And you know the worst part, Zach? I was actually a virtual fan last night. Um, really? I was, on, I was on, yeah, I was on a good amount on certain free throw angles. I had the opportunity to be a virtual fan, which was great until Zubach started imposing his will on the Mavericks team, and I just had to sit there and take it from all the other Clippers fans <laughs> on my Microsoft Teams call. But yeah, shout out to Microsoft Teams. It was a really cool experience. Definitely worth uh, checking out. I'm glad they I hope they, I hope the Mavs learn from that loss because, I mean, they're going to be playing in the, in the playoffs most likely, and I hope they learn from that loss and kind of assess from there because the fact that we lost, like, yeah, not like you said, like not the main guys, the problem. And we need to, I mean, the Mavs need to adjust accordingly. Yeah, and it was just like a bad day all around because then you think Montrezl Harrell didn't play, Patrick Beverly didn't play, and like, yeah, Seth Curry didn't play, but, you know, Trey Burke picked up the slack there. And then Denver lost, which means now they're basically like, it's it's almost impossible for them to pass the um, Clippers. And so we're literally stuck playing the Clippers. We've lost two now three times this year. I was impressed with Kristaps though in the fourth quarter. He was he was going off for a little bit. I thought I thought they were gonna come back. Yeah, no, he was playing well. He he likes those step back threes now. He has that Luca fever, and they both do it way too often. Where I just think if they if both of them if Kristaps could control his drives to the rim, and if Luca could drive and put up a five foot floater instead of kicking it out to a three point. Uh, option like if both of them just had a little bit more control in the paint it'd be such a different game but that comes with age you know yeah absolutely we'll see what else stuck out to you um that was i mean mostly it man i just yeah i don't really see like how the mavs are gonna like, like we're talking about the best defensive team in the league 
uh, in the in the Clippers against against the Mavs, who are, I would say one of the best offensive teams in the league. What are they ranked? Oh, yeah, they're first. They're, they're they have first, statistic, yeah. statistically the best offense in the history of the NBA, rating wise. Wow, wow, that's crazy. That's yeah. actually crazy. I mean, yeah, I would say it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because you have the best offense versus the best defense. Um, with Kawhi, Paul George, Beverly, Trez. But, I mean, that said, I'd say the difference, though, is that the Clippers don't have a bad offense. Uh, and Mavs' defense is a little lacking. Yeah, their defense is definitely not a strong suit. Uh, but I, I also want to shift our focus a little bit because it was a big week for the Phoenix Suns who pulled out a victory against the Mavs. And they are now – they're still undefeated in, um, in the bubble – and really impressive and have climbed their way now to the 10 seed where they're only a game and a half outside of Portland and two games outside of Memphis. So it is now a, a, a fight. It's going to be crazy down the stretch. What have you seen from Phoenix that you liked? Dude, that, that Devin Booker shot over Paul George, like why does Paul George is such an elite defender yet. He always is the guy. I remember that Dame Lillard shot a couple, a couple years ago in the playoffs. He's, he's always the guy who, I mean, he's, it's not even like he's playing bad defense. He was right in his face, but Devin oh, yeah. Booker is just, he had that, that Mamba instinct and he, uh, he nailed it. Yeah. He's playing well. And um, Cameron Payne, who they signed right before the bubble, former Mavs summer leaguer and Russell Westbrook pregame handshake partner. Who has come alive and Dario Saric and Aiton's Aiden. playing like Rubio. Playing very well. They're all just lighting it up. I really honestly don't know how they're doing it or like why it took them this long. Like, is Cameron Payne the difference? I don't think so. Um, and Booker was in foul trouble too. They're playing the Pacers, who, as we know, have also been on a tear. And they just they took them to town. Like they played such a great game and now have positioned themselves albeit nine games under 500, but right in the midst of this playoff race, Dame helped out the Blazers last night with his 11 threes, but it's going to be a, an interesting race. Absolutely, man. Then you got my Spurs who since yeah. last podcast are 0 and 2. They're playing the jazz right now. Um, but I mean, we'll see. It's a, yeah, definitely an interesting race. I don't know if you saw, but after that, um, that, that nuggets lost from the Spurs, um, Popovich responded and said, Jokic is the reincarnation of Larry Bird. Uh, what do you make of that? You know, I think that Larry Bird, well, first off, I think that it helps that they're both very gifted passers and, and kind of showy, you know, and then they're both white, you know, it, it's, it's just like, it boils down to a lot of similarities. It's why Dirk got a lot of those and Luca gets a lot of bird um, comparisons but I really do think the leadership aspect, um, like to be serious for a sec, I think that the fact that Larry Bird was able to will those teams to so many finals appearances in the 80s, and you look at how Jokic at such a young age just takes over these games. We've compared the 2020 Nuggets to the 2011 Mavs just because of the leader on each team supported by a good cast, and I really see that. I mean, Jokic just wills these guys to victory, and we'll see how he does in the playoffs, but he, he has a little bird in him. I mean, from the showmanship and then the talent, but also how he keeps himself so poised on the court, you know, and brings the best out of his teammates. Absolutely, man. And speaking of uh, reincarnations of legends, seems like uh, TJ Warren is the reincarnation of Michael Jordan. I mean, have you seen that guy lately? He's going off. You don't think he's a reincarnation of Larry Bird? <laughs> I don't know about What's that. What's up with that, man? 
Yeah, I mean, they're different. Uh, but uh, CJ Warren, man, uh, what, he had 52 yeah. the other night? 53? Yeah, he had 53, and then he followed it up with 34 and 11, and then another 32-point game, and then 16 and 11 last night, which all of those are just, like, way above his career averages, obviously. But this is a guy who had a little bit of success with the Suns, and they signed him to a four-year, $50 million deal after, like, averaging a lot of points on a bad team off his first contract. And then they regretted it. After his first year, they shipped him off. They traded him to Indiana with a second-round pick for cash, like for, for nothing. They, wow. they, they paid the Pacers to take on his contract with draft compensation. And the Pacers have really used him um, well and just – like made him a great option now with Sabonis out as a front court player who can stretch the court and giving him free reigns to just hoop. I mean, the dude's a walking bucket and now he's looks like he's undervalued and they're going to have him now two more years after this at like 12, $13 million a year where, you know, a guy scoring 53 points, you're going to overpay for that. So they should feel lucky now. And they have the draft compensation too, but yeah, Uh, Michael Jordan. <laughs> Speaking of uh, bubble legends, have you seen Michael Porter Jr. lately? Beast, absolute, absolute beast. I mean, I I knew he was good. I always knew he was going to be good. Like, I mean, before he got injured at Mizzou, he was supposed to be the first overall pick. Like, they they he's been a talent for a while, but like this, like now he's showing his real colors, man. He's he is he's going to be a quality player. And uh, the Nuggets, I mean, that's just another uh, addition. Um, to that already so talented roster. And it's perfect because the Nuggets are ready to win now with or without Michael Porter Jr. Like he wasn't a big factor till midway through the season with or without Bol Bol, you know, those two. They're ready to win with Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, Jokic, Millsap, and a plethora of shooters in size. And then when you think of the future, like look at how they're set up. Jokic isn't even that old. But then when Millsap goes on and Plumlee goes on and guys get older, you can bring in Porter and Bobol, and you're going to have then a veteran Jokic and Murray. I mean, they're what, what they did with Porter taking a gamble on him allowed them to then take a gamble on Bobol. And now you have two guys that are learning from the best of the best. I mean, this is going to be a force for a long time. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. Yeah. Very impressive. Um, I'm rooting for the Nuggets, not just because I want to see them in the playoffs instead of the Clippers, but because I really like the team. Um, like Larry Bird over there and and Michael Porter mm-hmm. Jr. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of the bubble action. Uh, what do you think of Dame's 11 threes last night? You think the Blazers have a chance to still claim that eight seed? Dude, it's looking like it. They're really hot and they're playing really well together. Um, and I think that if they do claim that eight seed, they're going to give the Lakers the most trouble. Um, like if the if I mean. It's the, yeah, they are looking really good. Nurkic is back and he's really uh, performing. Melo's playing really well in the bubble. Um, he hit that clutch shot the other night. Um, I, I don't know, man. That like if they if they end up making that eighth seed, they Barkley might have something to what he was saying. Yeah, they they look really scary because they they've beaten some really good teams. But again, the problem is their schedule. Like yeah, they've won some really impressive games. But they're going to have to, like, keep winning. This isn't, you know, their, their job's not over. They have the Clippers, the Sixers, the Mavs, you know, wild card, whatever, and then Brooklyn, which is fine, you know, it, if they can go two and two or so. But if they go two and two, the Suns are now right on their heels. 
Um, the Grizzlies are still in eighth place, even though we should mention this, that Jaron Jackson Jr. is now out for the rest of uh, the bubble. Loss. Huge loss. So I don't know how, how long they're going to hold up for. And then you got your Spurs and the Kings, who virtually are eliminated the Pelicans yesterday, but both are still technically in it. Um, so now, like, this whole bubble made for Zion. Who knows if he's going to even be in it? This is a crazy race now. I mean, the Suns have, like, thrown a wrench in the NBA's plans. I'm sure out of all the teams, if they could have John Morant, Damian Lillard, Zion Williamson, like, maybe the Spurs with their playoff streak, there's so many great storylines. And then the Suns come in and they're like, yeah, we'll take that eight seed. Kind of the beauty of it, though. Yeah, really is. Well, that's, uh, that's about it for the NBA talk. It's going to be an exciting week of action. Uh, Mavs play the Bucks on Saturday. The Bucks have clinched the one seed, so we're all praying in Dallas that they bench Giannis and Middleton at least for the second half like they did with the Nets. Did you see that Nets guy has to get a Jared Allen face tattoo because he said if the Nets beat the Bucks, that's what he'd do. He's a super fan. That's crazy. Yeah, Jared Allen actually – outsed me two years in a row in our state playoffs when St. Stephen's played Greenhill both times in the SBC quarterfinals. And that dude's huge. But having a, a tattoo of him on your face, <laughs> that's, that's even bigger. That'd be crazy. All right. Well, Zach and I are prepared to now debate the top three-point shooters of all time. Yay! And we're going to do it right when we come back on Unmasked. Welcome back to Unmasked. And we have quite a draft for you. Zach and I are prepared to draft. If it, if it was a draft of the top three-point shooters ever, we are going to draft the lottery of the top three-point shooters ever. So the top 14 three-point shooters of all time. And Zach, uh, what, what are you feeling here? You want to give anything away before we start? I just want to say ahead of time that um, as much as I want to draft Matt Bonner, uh, I don't know if, he, if he's a top 14 best three-point shooter of all time, but in my heart, he's number one. Yeah. Red, Red Mamba? No, Red Rocket. What was his nickname? Red Mamba. I got this shirt. Yeah, that dude. He could dunk too, right? Wasn't he like throwing it down? Eh, he's all right. I just remember I watched him one time in a, in a like a shoot around before a game, and he like I was like amazed. He was just like hitting everything like just so naturally, dude. I mean, that's like the beauty of like NBA shooters. Like they are like we don't even realize how like just pure and like like spot on they are. Like. We see them in like these really high pressure situations where there's like tons of defense and all this everything, all these factors. But like, like, like without all that stuff, like they are like just they don't miss. Yeah, he's he's good, like really good, and people don't realize that. Like he was actually drafted. He wasn't just some like Popovich find. Um, by the way, just so no one hates on us, he is the Red Rocket. The Red Mamba is Brian Scalabrini, but. Both they, they get confused very often. I I just searched the, the Wikipedias here because I remember hearing that Brian Scalabrini, people refer to him as Red Mamba because that was the name on his um, big three jersey when he was in Ice Cube's thing. But 
both of them are probably the two best redheads of all time. Maybe you throw in a little Chase Budinger in there. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's fair. All, all, I have a shirt that says Red Mamba on the front, uh, and, it's, and it's a Bonner on the back. So maybe it's interchangeable. Well, yeah, maybe Kobe's legacy extended to a lot of different redheads. A lot of ginger <laughs> love out there. So, all right. Well, let's get into it. I think Zach uh, graciously has handed me the first pick. Is that correct? Yes, sir. You got it. All right. And this is a big one because I just want to preface this by saying that um, I really wanted to go on longevity. And I don't think that just having like individual high shooting percentage seasons or leading the league one time, like that shouldn't make you a great three-point shooter. Um, Or it does, but not all time, not top 14. We're talking about that. It's continued success and Honestly, as, be, as the three-point shot has become more popular in our game, you can only expect, really, that percentages are going to go up with increased repetition and practice and emphasis on it. So you kind of need an X factor. Like, just having a high percentage for your career, Duncan Robinson, Seth Curry, um, Buddy Heald, these shooters of today, like, that's not going to get it done. It's, it's continued success. So if you could maintain that over the entire career, um, you know, you do it for, like, five to ten years of being at the top there, and you have the clutch gene or you, you know, you made a ton of threes or you had great efficiency, whatever it is, um, you need a lot of factors. So that's kind of the criteria I base it on. I know it's kind of a broad topic. With that said, with the first pick and the top three-point shooters of all time, I'm going to go with Wardell Stephen Curry the second from the Golden State Warriors, the two-time MVP, unanimous MVP, three-time champ, 2015 three-point contest winner, and most importantly, zero-time finals MVP, (laughs) Steph, the inspiration for youth across America, the guy who's transformed the NBA and their three-point revolution, third all-time currently in three-pointers made in under 700 games, he has almost 2,500 threes in under 700 games. It's crazy. He's eighth all-time in three-pointers attempted, yet third all-time in makes. He has 15 games with double-digit threes. That is by far the most. And excluding this season, all, all other seasons, so not this one, um, where he was kind of injured the whole season, he shot over 40% from three, where he also had 100 three-point attempts to go along with that. So... That's 10 seasons. That's every single season of his career where he wasn't injured. And if you take out his injury-riddled 2011 season, he's shot over 340 attempts in every season. So he's putting them up. There's volume there, and he's still crushing it. Um, I don't think there's a huge debate that he's amazing. He's led the league in three-pointers, attempted five times. He's hit the 800 mark twice. So he's putting them up there, and he's still connecting. And he's just amazing. He If he averages around or even a little less than 300 threes per season he's going to annihilate ray allen's record he's only 600 behind currently and ray allen played in um 600 more games than him and he's only he's less than 500 threes behind him so he's going to crush this very soon and become the all-time leader steph curry ladies and gentlemen the greatest three-point shooter of all time and that's a great pick jordan i would have made the same pick if i had the first overall i mean the man has literally revolutionized the game, like what you said. Uh, he's, I mean, he's also – the fact that he's, he's taking so many more threes than everybody else, but he's also accurate, dude. He, and he takes crazy shots. He's the sixth most accurate with 43% on career shooting. And 
like we're talking about like the best guys are guarding him. Like that's like an important thing to consider. Like we're putting like you're gonna put your best defender on Steph Curry, and he's still gonna drain in your face and make these crazy shots. Uh, it's it's actually insane, dude. Um, his his yeah, he's objectively for sure the best uh, shooter of all time. Um, and yeah, great pick, Jordan. Uh, with the second overall pick. Uh, you mentioned him a little bit. I'll take my boy Jesus Shuttlesworth, Ray Allen. Uh, yeah, um, you got Steph Curry. That's great. I got the guy with the most all-time three-pointers uh, with 2,973. Um, what is that? Three uh, 3,000 more than Steph, your Steph Curry? Uh, and on 40% before the three-point era? I mean, kind of like in the transition. But um, he's second most all-time three-pointers made in the playoffs uh, with around 400. Uh, he never in his career has he shot below 36, uh, 35%. Um, and, I mean, I hate this pick. I hate it. I had to, I hate making that pick because he, I mean, I don't want to go into it too deeply, but uh, this man has caused me the most emotions out of any uh, NBA moment in history when he uh, hit that one shot that killed my San Antonio Spurs championship um, back in – 2013 so uh and not to mention he was 38 years old at the time uh and uh trader for leaving the celtics kevin garnett paul pierce don't talk to him uh i mean this guy ray allen was such a beast this man would shoot 300 three-pointers three-point shots just to warm up for games like he i mean it, like i when when I saw the ball go to Ray Allen in that moment, I like was like, all right, I mean, it's muscle memory. I mean, I knew it was going to happen, dude. He's, he's, he's the number two pick. Yeah, Bosh out to Allen. I mean, those words have just got to uh, sting every time. And but, you, know, you know NBA TV loved playing that during the, uh, during the part of the summer where there was just a lull in all forms of basketball. That was like the most watched game, I feel like, over that period. But um, – yeah, it's, I mean, you said it all, just the clutch gene. And I think he was actually kind of a predecessor for to Steph Curry and like helped shape the modern three-point shooting guard because what Ray did is he was elite at being a three-point shooter while also dominating the offensive end. Like he, you said it, he never shot lower than um, 35%, but he also averaged over 20 points per game the three years that he led the league in three-pointers made so it wasn't just that he was like leading the, the league in three-pointers made and averaging like you know 12 15 points a game like only shooting threes this guy was scoring 25 a game he would he could take you on any part of the floor and he was such a lethal shooter so he really transcended the game he would have been my second pick also um but yeah he um was great i'm gonna take with the third pick, this is this is tough for me because I really like Reggie. Uh, I just think Reggie wasn't super – like, I think he was great for his time, but I think as time goes on, he's going to be valued less and less. I think that, like, he was unique um, when he came into the league and started jacking up threes and connecting. But I think that in today's game where it's headed, he's going to start to slide back further and further. So with the third pick, I'm going to go – I'm going to complete the backcourt here. Splash bro backcourt, Clay Thompson, number three. Dude's a beast. I mean, he, he literally takes no dribbles. Like he just doesn't, he doesn't dribble. And he still is such an elite scorer. 
he has the record for the most threes in a game ever with 14, and he probably took two dribbles. Um, he's never shot under 40% from three in any season in the NBA, and he shoots seven threes a game. Take that, take that into consideration for a second. The dude shoots seven threes a game, and he's never shot under 40% in a season. He's elite efficiency. He's 26th all-time in attempts, yet 18th in three-pointers made in only 615 games. He has less three-pointers attempted than Dame, even though he came out a year earlier. And I know he's injured this year, but still, he is efficient. As efficient as they come, he is going to only climb the ranks here. And I just think I, I love the fact that he is so poised and has been so consistent over his career and just defines what it means to be a shooter in today's game. Uh, yeah, you couldn't. I mean, that's a valid pick. I, I personally didn't have him on my draft board as number three, but I, I, I can see why you put him there. I mean, the man made 37 points in a quarter, the most all time. Are you kidding me? Like 37 <laughs> points in a quarter. Like, like that's a great game. Like an amazing game is 37 points. That was one quarter. He made nine threes in that quarter. The record for threes in a game, which is also by Clay Thompson, uh, is 14. Uh, and he made nine in that one quarter. I mean, uh, Clay Thompson is definitely, when he gets hot, like, like, I mean, one of the hottest shooters of all time, like, obviously. Uh, and I think that's a very valid pick. But not the pick I would have made. What's not your knock? What's your knock on him? Um, no, I think uh, my knock is my pick. Uh, and I would say Reggie Miller. I mean, this guy, uh, with the th- with the fourth overall pick, I take Reggie Miller. Um, we're talking second most threes all time. So I got first and second most threes all time with with the second fourth pick. Oh, I'm I'm happy with that. Uh, with twenty two thousand five hundred sixty. Um, uh, not to mention thirty nine percent, six most all time threes in playoffs. Uh, I mean, this guy was like a beast right before the three-point era took off. He was kind of like that, um, uh, like he kind of was a special force because there weren't that many uh, like elite three-point shooters, and he was he was special. And um, I would say the thing about Reggie Miller uh, that I'll never be able to – like I think maybe one of my favorite sports moments in history was that, that Knicks game where uh, he, they were losing to the Knicks, and uh, Spike Lee was talking trash during that entire game. And then he went on. He went on to go hit uh, eight points in nine seconds uh, to win that game. Uh, and then he like he did the choke, the choke, the famous choke sign, telling uh, Spike Lee that those Knicks uh, choke. And uh, he was right. I mean, he 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 had the confidence and the swagger. And uh, Reggie Miller was a, a special shooter. Yeah, Reggie Miller defines what it means to be a three-point shooter. And that's why I had such trouble um, with between Clay and Reggie, because Reggie has the resume. But the fact that Clay even puts up a fight at this early stage in his career just speaks volumes about where he could end up all time. And I think that Reggie deserves to always be a top five three-point shooter of all time. Um, you mentioned the clutch gene. I mean, yeah, that eight points in nine seconds, like that's one of the most iconic sequences in NBA history. And Reggie just, like I said, like he's the ultimate clutch performer. He, he just wasn't super efficient. He, he was the first one to really become like a three point artist while being an all-star. And like he trans helped transcend that three point shot. 
um, and paved the way for Ray Allen, who helped pave the way for Seth Curry or Steph Curry. Sorry, always my mind's always on Seth. Um, but yeah, my point is Reggie's great. I just love Clay. Um, and I think this is kind of where it gets interesting because I think like the four that we've had now are all regarded as elite shooters. I think now it's a lot more opinionated and um, there's just, it's a little more subjective now. And so that said, um, my number five pick has made a career, a not just like has made it a living, like he's made a career. This guy has been around since 2003 out of it, the three-point shot. He earned an all-star bid in 2015 solely, solely on the basis of his shooting. This is There's no other reason. He is fourth all-time in three-pointers made at 2,443 and counting. He is 10th all-time in three-point percentage. He shot 53.6% from three in 09-10 season. And his name is Kyle Korver. Kyle Korver has three seasons over 47%. And if this season holds, it'll be his 12th season shooting over 40%. That only trails Steve Nash and amount of seasons over 40%. I mean, this guy, we talked about guys, all the guys on our list so far are all-stars, Hall of Famers, who are future Hall of Famers, who have not just made a living off of the three and a career off the three, but they're elite scorers. Kyle Korver is a three-point specialist. That said, he has done it since 2003 and i think that deserves a lot of credit i think a lot of people have thought about him each year is one of the best i think now over the course of his career i mean he's as old as lebron now you know he's been around for a long time he deserves to be um in this top five and have the recognition um that i'm trying to give him yeah that, that makes a lot of sense uh cal corver is an efficient shooter who who will torture you uh, and I definitely respect that pick. Um, with the sixth pick, I'm going to take Mr. Larry Bird himself. Larry Legend. Really? The hick from French, French. Like, I know. Okay, I understand that his stats don't aren't on the same level with these guys because it, the three-pointer was new. He only took – he only made 649 three-pointers in his entire career, which isn't – like, which is nothing – compared to these guys but you also have to like put contextualize it with like the time like the, his rookie season was when the with three point uh line was introduced um i mean but the thing about larry legend uh i mean he just had the purest shooting form uh it was, i mean it was like really a beautiful thing to watch um and i think uh like a moment kind of like he also was like a guy who like he just knew he was gonna like gonna drain it uh like i remember i heard i was i saw like on something about how um in his he won the three-point contest two years in a row and then on his third the third year he was in it again and he literally went into the locker room and told he like told all the other guys like uh who's coming in second and then he went out with his with his practice shirt on and and won <laughs> uh he, like he knew he's the best and he was the best uh, uh i mean like I, I think in today's times, this guy would be putting up numbers that would be very on par, if not, um, if not superior to the to the guys we're talking about right now. And I think um, I don't think he's like right right with them because of that. But it's but but yeah, I think um, in context, he he was there. You know, I have a 
I have him on my list, but I had him as an honorable mention because I really didn't know how to think about it. And I think now the more that you talk, like it's so right that it was just a different time back then. Like he was in his era, probably the best out there. He was a three-time three-point contest champ. Like, you know, this guy was like respected as from the outside. He led the league in three-pointers in 85, 86. And he was, I mean, he, he would shoot threes. He just didn't shoot them a lot because it wasn't common back then. And it's so hard to compare eras, you know? So I respect it. I personally wouldn't have taken this high because I think there are other guys who have proven themselves. But if you're going to choose someone from that era, I don't think that there's a better 80s three-point shooter than Larry Bird. So I respect the pick. Larry Legend, a.k.a. Nikola Jokic. He he deserves a spot. A.k.a. the hick from French Lick. (laughs) Had a lot of nicknames. A.k.a. the T.J. Warren before T.J. Warren. Exactly, man. All right. Well, this is also a tough pick for me. So this is, we're seven now. Yeah. Um, and I really want to go with guys who are stars who have incorporated. I want to go back to that trend um, after hopping on the Kyle Corver bandwagon. But, you know, there's a lot of really great options here. I think I'm going to go with a guy who I mentioned previously. He's a two-time MVP as well. Hall of Famer, eight-time All-Star, Stevie Nash. I love Steve Nash. I think he was such an underrated shooter. He would always kill the Mavs on those Stoudemire Marion teams with a late three clutch gene. Uh, always known for his passing, yet he had 13 seasons where he shot 40% or better from three with 100 or more three-point attempts. So like of qualified people, 13 seasons. That's the most of anyone in the history of the league. He's a career 42.8% shooter from three, which is 11th all time. And he shot, you ready for this? He shot 43.8% in his age 38 season with the Lakers. Remember how that's regarded? Like people think he sucked at the Lakers. He, he started 50 games playing 32 minutes a game that year. Like he was playing a lot and he shot better than his career average. He's only 24th all time in three-pointers made, but it was his efficiency on a long-term scale and just his dominance where if you – played off of him because you were scared of the drive or scared of him making um, making a move and dishing it out and making a play, he would splash it in your face. Like that was just, he's like a Steph who wasn't looking to shoot threes, you know? And so he, get, he doesn't get a lot of respect, but I think he had one of the purest strokes of all time and I'll take him seventh. It's a great pick. Uh, yeah. I mean, he wasn't selfish enough. That's the thing. That's why he's underrated. He was just so selfless, dude. Like he, He'd always look for the pass first, um, and but when he took the three, he'd make it. Um, and he's top twenty-five all-time threes. Yeah, like what you said, great pick, Steve Nash, great pick. Um, with the eighth pick, I'm gonna take uh, your boy Dirk Nowitzki. Um, All right. Uh, I mean, this guy is a matchup nightmare. He's a seven-foot-one shooting guard. Uh, uh, essentially, uh, he, he revolutionized the big man position because before Dirk Nowitzki, it was rare that a big man would step out to the arch, but he could do it all. He had the post moves and the three point shot. He was uh, 38% from three, 11th most all time, with uh, about 2,000 threes made. Uh, this guy really, um, he cha- Dirk Nowitzki changed the game, and that starts with his three point abilities. Uh, that, that, that fadeaway, man, is one of the most legendary shots of all time. Uh, and he definitely deserves a spot in the top 10. And I'm happy to get him on my on my roster. 
to say he changed the game is, is an understatement. And I love that you took him. I was thinking about taking him, but I just thought Steve Nash had the accolades and the credentials. Dirk, talk about revolution outside shooting. Did you know he was the first seven-footer to compete in a three-point contest? Which he I'm won. Wow. He won that one in 2006 in Houston. I remember watching. And huh. he is the only one in the top 100 who is above seven feet in terms of three-pointers made all time. He's also the only front court player, if you don't count like Durant, Ariza, and Mello, if you say they're small forwards, he's the only power forward center in the top 50 aside from Ryan Anderson. Um, and so wow. he's just like, he's so unique. He's, he paved the way for guys like Chris Japs and Laurie Markkinen and even like Ryan Anderson, like bigs who are going to shoot from the outside. Um, he, was, he was the first of, of now many who have come over or from the U.S. who – prioritize outside shooting even though they're big so i love it um you know he's he's my hero so i appreciate that one absolutely man all right next let me make sure i don't miss anyone like when we miss zion in our top um bubble players i just want to make sure i i have my list correct here i'm gonna go with this is just a pick because i I uh, I know him better. I'm this is a recency bias thing. I'm I'm you know a 20 year old guy. I've been watching the NBA in the 21st century, so I'm gonna go with Jonathan Clay, aka JJ Reddick. He uh, first off, just want to shout out his podcast on the Ringer, JJ um, the JJ Reddick podcast. Great listen if you're ever in need of a good um, podcast to, that's not ours, of course. Um, but he is an entertaining guy and has really, like Kyle Korver, made a career for himself because when he came out, he was a lottery pick out of Duke. People had big expectations. They thought he was going to be more of a scorer and an offensive weapon. But he really carved out this like niche that's just a, a specialist three-point option. That's He's a clutch player, a great leader, and has an amazing attitude. And he's made it in the league after seven years in Orlando in – Nowheresville coming off the bench. He has become a full-time starter, had great years with the Clippers, and then averaged 18 points a game with the Sixers, and he shot over eight threes a game, and that was his age 34 season. So he was putting up threes and shooting it at a great clip. I mean, he's very efficient. He shot 47.5% uh, from three just um, four years ago with the Clippers, and if you round, the last time he shot under 40% from three in a season was 2012. So he's just been efficient the latter half of this career and he's starting to score more and he's earning big money and, you know, he's making a name for himself. He's now climbed up the ranks. He's top 15 and three pointers made and only 20th and attempted. So like I said, very efficient. And you could probably say he has the best off balance three point shot in the game right now. Maybe Marco Bellinelli too, but I mean, he just like, he's perfected a craft he's clutch and he does it with ease and with poise and, Love him. J.J. Redick, number nine. That's a really good pick, Jordan. I respect that. Um, okay, this might be a more controversial pick, but um, with the 10th pick in the three-point shooting draft, I'm going to take James Harden. Uh, all right. The man, Clyde, he, he's fifth time, fifth all-time in three-pointers mid. <laughs> That's actually, like, insane. Uh, not to mention, like, you're, I mean, again, this is like a Steph Curry guy where you're putting your best – defensive guys on him and like uh, I mean I mean I guess a lot of these guys you're doing that with but uh especially with James Harden this guy's an offensive force 
uh, sixth all-time three-pointers made in the playoffs, third all-time three-pointers made in the season, um, second three-pointers attempted in a season. Um, he's a lefty, best lefty shooter all-time. Um, oh. And I would say James Harden, uh, I mean, he's a great all-around scorer, but um, don't sleep on his – I mean, yeah, everyone knows. He's, I mean, he's an elite three-point shooter. Yeah, he's – I mean, he's going to pass Reggie next year. Um, and so that's what I'm saying. Reggie's going to get pushed down this list. We can't forget about him. But, yeah, James Harden, the only knock on him and why I haven't taken him is his efficiency. I mean, I had him on, on this list. I was going to take him very soon. Um, he's around that kind of Dirk Nash, like – being a really good player, but also being a great shooter. Um, what do you value more? He has done an amazing job, though, of scoring the basketball. And he's done a lot of it through his threes. I mean, he's never shot above 40% from three. So that's kind of, you know, but he, at the same time, he has led the league in threes the last three years. So he's taking a lot of them, but he's making a lot of them, you know, because he's fifth all time. So you can't really knock that. It's just the fact that he takes a ton of shots, but he is the engine that makes the Rockets go and has been the better part of the last decade. And so he, um, yeah, he also hasn't even eclipsed 900 games yet and he's top five ever. So he'll be up there when it's all said and done. It's just the efficiency that gets me. And I just don't love James Harden, but definitely a good pick. Um, I would have had him somewhere in this lottery, maybe not this early, uh, but yeah. I like it. All right. That's our top 10. So let's do um, do a little review of of our top 10. So we had Steph go one. We had Ray go two. Then Clay, Reggie Miller, Larry Bird, right? No, that was. Yeah. After. Oh, no, no, no. Who came after Reggie? Oh, Kyle Korver, Korver, Larry Bird, Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki, J.J. Redick, and now James Harden. So there's your top 10. So with the 11th pick, I'm going to go old school a little bit. I'm going to go with Dale Ellis. He is not a very common name. Not, it wasn't a huge star. He was, he was an all-star once. But Dale Ellis's deal is he shot threes. He was kind of like the Kyle Korver of like the nineties, I guess, like the early night, along with, you know, Del Curry and, and all those guys before it was super popular. And before there were a lot of guys in the NBA who only shot threes, he was kind of doing it. He won the 89 three point contest. And then he went on to lead the NBA in three point percentage in 1998 at age 37 playing in 79 games. The dude missed three games. He was 37 years old and he led the NBA in, in three point percentage. He shot over 40% with 103-point attempts minimum for eight seasons, which is impressive. And he's top 25 all-time in three-pointers made for a guy who who was like a role player, you know? And so he really carved out his his role in the NBA before it was very popular. And he didn't do it as well as Korver or J.J. Redick, but that's why he's not in our top 10. You know, he deserves a spot, I think, in the lottery, but I wouldn't put him any higher. Um, so, yeah, Dale Ellis. Look him up. Yeah, you actually informed me a lot about him. I didn't really know much about him before this, <laughs> which is a shame. But, uh, okay, uh, with the 12th pick, I'll go with uh, – some of you guys might know him as the Golden State Warriors coach. I know him as Steve Kerr. 
the highest three-point percentage of all time. Uh, Crazy. With, with 45.4%. Uh, I mean, not to mention, remember, like, that that shot over Utah when he was on Chicago. I mean, this guy, this guy is a winner. Uh, what, four straight championships? Um, and he was an X Factor. Uh, I'd take Steve Kerr, and I think um, he's – an elite, elite three-point shooter, and I'm happy to welcome him to the team. Steve Kerr is great, and I've seen a lot of lists where he's included, a lot that don't prioritize the three-point percentage, so he's not. I mean, how can you argue? When the guy's a career 45.4% three-point shooter, best of all time, like, come on, so clutch. You know, he's he was so integral, as we saw in the last dance, to some of those Bulls teams, and he shot 50% from three, three times while shooting over hundred threes in the season. So it was like a qualified 50% or better three times. I mean, that's so impressive to, to know that when you pass in the ball that, you know, it's like a coin flip, if he's going to make it or not, like that's those odds. You just don't see that today with the volume of shooting. And so he did it um, in a time again, where it wasn't super popular. And he was a guy who was just knocked down. Love Steve Kerr. Um, he also has a good podcast, The Flying Coach, with uh, um, Pete Carroll. It's also part of The Ringer. I don't think it's continuing, but give it a listen. He's a, a really insightful guy. A lot of good things to say. Um, okay. So this is my last pick. And I'm going to tell you what I'm debating, and then I'm going to choose. So on my list still, I have, like, serious people. I have... Um, Mike Miller, Glenn Rice, Del Curry, Katie, Vince, Jason Terry, Peja Stoyakovic, Jason Capono, which is kind of a joke, but still. And yeah. So I think, I think I'm going to go. We have a lot of overlap, by the way. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So maybe, so maybe if I don't choose one of these, you'll choose one. So I'm between Mike Miller and Glenn Rice. And I think I'm going to go with Glenn Rice. I like Mike Miller, I guess. By the way, shout out Mike Miller. Did you know he was rookie of the year, six man of the year and a two-time NBA champ? I mean, Mike Miller doesn't get the love that he deserves. Um, But anyway, Glenn Rice, he was the 95 three-point champ um, in the contest, not like leading the league, but he also is a three-time all-star guy, another one who's an offensive weapon that was so great from three. He was, he has a 40% career three-point percentage and 42nd all-time in three-pointers attempted, even though he's 30th in three-pointers made. So he had great efficiency. He shot 47% from three in 96 um, to 97. And so he, he was always really efficient from the field. I think that's what made him so dangerous. And Mike Miller was also, Mike Miller, um, just to shout him out, was nine seasons shooting 40% from three, uh, which is crazy. But I just think that Glenn Rice took it to another level. I think he helped along with Reggie Miller transcend that idea of an an all-star that also was so great from three and really paved the way for the modern um, game where he wasn't just a spot-up shooter. And so I like Glenn Rice's game, and I like that he went to Michigan, and I'm taking him 14th. Yeah, actually 13th, 13th. Fun fact about that uh, 95 three-point contest is that uh, the same year uh, Harold Miner won the dunk contest, was also on the Heat. And so that made the Heat the only team ever in history to have um, players win the dunk and three-point contest. 
Wow. Which is pretty uh, interesting. It's a fun fact. Yeah. I like that. Um, but so with the last pick in the draft, uh, I'm glad you passed over him. I'm going to take Kevin Durant. Um, I guess, I, I, yeah, I mean, this guy is fourth all time in three-pointers made in the playoffs. Um, and he's 29th all time on the season um, with, with 15, 70 three-pointers made on 38%. Uh, I mean, this guy is just a human. I mean, he's a, a walking bucket. Uh, you like, and like the thing is, he can. He's a seven foot uh, shooter who's fast, athletic, and if like you put your best guy on him, and then he'll torch you uh, if you give him the shot. And if you don't, he'll draw. Like he's too fast for big man to guard, and he's too big for small. He's just a miss. He's a mismatch. Uh, Kevin Durant is a legend, one of the best offensive players of all time, and. Uh, one of the best three-point shooters of all time. Yeah, you said it, man. I mean, he he's not known for his threes, but he will kill you from three. Like, he's only 38% from three for his career. But he, I mean, if you take out his rookie year, he's never shot below 35. So he's always in that range. He's always dangerous. You can't play off of him. He'll kill you from, from three. And he had that clutch shot against the Cavs. Uh, helped win them the championship in 2017, I believe. And, you know, has just proven time and time again that he's a threat. Well, I would like to give a special shout-out to Mike Miller because he would have been my 15th pick. Um, you know, too bad. Glenn Rice got gotcha. you. But that concludes our lottery. you have any other shout-outs, any other honorable mentions? I'd say shout-out Jason Terry, uh, the Jets. Oh, yeah. Sixth all-time three-pointers made with 2,282 on 38%. I just remember when he torched the Lakers, uh, like that, that championship year, 2011. He had he tied the playoff record at the time with nine threes in that game against Kobe Bryant, uh, and he had 32 points. In that, like Jason Terry, absolute beast. Uh, that's my honorable mention. In that same game, I believe – maybe it was seven of eight was Peja Stoyakovich, who's another right. honorable yeah. mention. Peja was on that Mavs team and between Peja and Terry and Dirk, I mean, those threes were flying. Jason Kidd's another one we can throw out there um, who had a great three point career and he was on that team. That team was loaded and Vince Carter joined the Mavs later and he's now six all time um, in three pointers made. So that's another shout out. He, he had a lot of games to do it, but he did it. And so that's great. Del Curry, you know, and then kind of the stars of today, like Seth Curry, Duncan Robinson, Buddy Heald, they'll be up here maybe someday if they continue at their pace. But it's so hard taking the top 14. Not many options, uh, not many slots for the amount of options. I think we did a good job, though. Who, who's your favorite on your list? If you had a favorite player. Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I would say... Um, I mean, Dirk's my favorite player on my list, but like my favorite three point shooter would be like Reggie Miller. Cause I see him as like a pure three, three point threat. And like, I talked about that choke game and like, I don't know. He's just such a legend. What about you? Yeah. I, I love JJ Redick. I just think he's, I mean, I'm not a huge Warriors fan, so I'm not going to step for clay, but JJ is just like, I don't know. I, I liked Kyle Corver a lot, but after listening to the JJ Redick podcast, he's, he surpassed him. He's my favorite. So I would go Dirk if I had picked him. Oops. Yeah. All right. Well, that ends our draft. 
We hope everyone agrees. You can let us know if you would have changed anything or had anyone that we didn't even talk about. So that's the fun of it. You know, you do the drafts and, and it's, it's our own opinions, but I think we nailed it. All right. Well, when we come back, we have today in history, August 7th, a huge birthday day. So we're going to really dive into it when we're back on Unmasked. Welcome back to Unmasked. And today is August 7th which means it is the 29th birthday for Mike Trout. Love, love some Mike Trout. We talked about him with Kyle um, last week. He is just probably the most underappreciated superstar in today's game. The guy in every single season has been top five in MVP voting. I mean, is that crazy? Every that's season. Good. That's good. I mean, yeah, he's a goat. I mean, he's, it's a tragedy that baseball doesn't market their players better because like I said, like, most guys just see Mike Trout walking down the street and they're like, who's this guy? You know, like I saw him on a subway commercial, but I, I don't know. I saw him with an, an angel shirt. You know, is he, he's either coach, like who knows who Mike Trout is if you're not an avid MLB fan. So yeah, I mean, this guy is just a beast. He's been an all-star and top MVP vote getter every single year he's been in the MLB. So make sure you show him some love on his 29th and another semi-underappreciated superstar is Sidney Crosby. Sid the Kid, 33 today. He is um, in his 15th year with the Penguins, and he is a three-time cup winner, two-time MVP, eight-time All-Star, definitely one of the best players in the NHL over the last decade. So time to give him some love today too. And now I want to hear from you because it's the man, DeMar DeRozan, his 31st birthday. What, what are your thoughts? Good birthday, DeMar. Uh, I love DeMar DeRozan. Um, people, I mean, we look at the Spurs right now and they're not the team they used to be, but all, all things considered, when we made that trade, uh, Kawhi wanted out uh, and we made that, that was such a good overall trade for, I mean, for both teams, obviously, but for the Spurs, uh, that really, um, like the fact that they, he had, they had so much leverage over us and we still were able to get a, a premier player like DeMar DeRozan out of that is, is really like I think speaks a lot to how good of a management the Spurs is, Spurs are, and um, I mean Demar Derozan was drafted the same year as Stephen Curry. Uh, fun fact, and he actually has more field goals made than Stephen Curry. Wow. Uh, no, I mean obviously the points big difference. Steph Curry's an elite three point shooter, whatever number one according to Jordan, uh, <laughs> but. Um, Field goals made purely. DeMar DeRozan has put the ball in the basket more times than Stephen Curry in the same amount of years played, which is a pretty uh, interesting statistic. Um, and great, just a great player and great personality. Um, love DeMar DeRozan. I think after he was spurned by the Raptors, no pun intended. You like that? Yeah. Um, everyone really was rooting for him, and he didn't get the championship last year. It's kind of sad. I think everyone loves DeMar DeRozan except for analytics whizzes because he has just an undying love for the mid-range game, which analytics people would tell you has been dead for years. But like you said, if he gets a bucket, a bucket's a bucket, man. He's more field goals than Steph. That's impressive. Yeah. We also want to wish a happy 23rd and 22nd, respectively, to Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts, two Oklahoma QBs, former Sooners, who have now made their way into the NFL. Uh, Kyler Murray is a Heisman winner, a Rookie of the Year. 
Is there an MVP in his future? Maybe. Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, he's um, – I mean, that's kind of the path that Lamar Jackson had, and I don't know. But I don't think there's an MVP in Jalen Hurts' career. He's 22 today. You think he'll start a game this year? I think he'll start, dude. I watched him torch the Longhorns uh, personally, and I just saw how good of an all-around player he is. And, I I mean, obviously with Wentz, their Eagles are pretty set. But um, I think I think they should – they're going to experiment a little bit and, sh- and should and start him. I don't know about like, I don't know if he'll be a regular starter this first year, but I think eventually he's, I think he's going to turn out to be a really good, important franchise piece. I think he's a great uh, insurance at the quarterback position with Carson Wentz's injury history. I mean, I think Jalen Hurts is underrated. I think he showed that this year that he can still compete. And, you know, in the second round snagging him now, I think he may end up starting a few games if Carson Wentz gets banged up. So we'll have to see there. All right. Well, we had some MLB, NHL, NBA, NFL. We also want to give a special shout out to Flights React, um, the YouTube sensation who has grabbed the internet by storm during COVID and is hilarious with his analysis of Steph Curry. Uh, Funny dude. So happy birthday to him, 25. And today in history, we we got one kind of – complex timeline here we got 1929 the great bambino babe ruth himself hit a grand slam for the second straight game which was a record so that's pretty impressive two grand slams on the back-to-back days and then 1992 flash forward the orlando magic signed their number one draft pick by the name of shaquille o'neal so i have a question for you zach after four rings and mvp and decades of dominance would you put the big diesel atop your Mount Rushmore of centers? Is he the best center of all time? Um, that's a great question. Uh, and I would say, no, he's not. Uh, he's the most dominant, but not the best, if that makes sense. I would, I would take Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in a heartbeat, best center of all time, most points of all time, uh, more assists than Michael Jordan in his career, which more, really goes more to like his longevity, but the fact that he's more assists than Michael Jordan is pretty impressive. Um, Cash was an absolute monster. He has um, six rings. You know that as great of players as Michael, Magic Johnson was and Oscar Robertson, who are probably two of the other, other top 10 greatest players of all time, they never run rings without Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Never. Wow. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is a, um, what, four-time MVP, um, six-time champion i mean this guy he should really he's underrated in the goat debate in my opinion uh i'd say my favorite thing about Kareem blue jabbar is that um in his last championship when he was like 38 years old against the the knicks it was a a game six i believe uh and a couple seconds lost on the clock they had to get one more they had to score the ball the lakers had to score the ball one more time to clinch the championship and they could give the ball to prime Magic Johnson, prime James Worthy, um, but they needed just a guaranteed bucket. And we're talking about an old Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Jordan, who do you think they gave the ball to with that last bucket? Cash, baby. Of course, man. That skyhook is among the most consistent moves in all time. And, I mean, do you think he made it? Yes, he made it. And, he, I mean, they won the championship. Uh the Lakers were Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is my top center all time. 
I mean, how often do you see a guy play three years in college and then go into the NBA and play, was it 20 years, 21 years? Like that's just unheard of. His longevity is at at such a like tall height and that guy was huge. And he, and those legs never wore down. And yeah, you're right. I know this about Shaq. In, in, in Kareem's uh, early career, when he was Lou Alcindor, they had to make like the Al Cinder rules the NBA did where he like wasn't allowed to slam dunk it and stuff because he was just too, too dominant. It was like, it wasn't fair. They had to make, they, he literally changed the game by himself so much. They had to make rules around Kareem Abu-Jabbar. I mean, this guy was, uh, he's the greatest. That says it all right there. He came in in an age where he couldn't dunk the ball and that was a rule. And he played until right up until Michael Jordan won his first championship. Like that's such a long career, you know, from like caveman rules until MJ dominance. Right. Really, uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's it for the 20th century. And then we have a 2007, August 7th, uh, Barry Bonds broke Hank Aaron's home run record and which still holds today. It's 756 home run. And that is impressive. Yet we've talked about this. He is still not in the hall of fame. Zach thinks put him in. Um, I agree. I don't know how you can have the guy with the most home runs ever not be in the hall, but that's an interesting segue to our next podcast because on Sunday we're going to be recording with Rangers radio analyst and current play-by-play announcer, Jared Sandler. He's going to join us on the podcast and talk a little bit about baseball and quarantine and everything about his career just to gain a little better insight on that. But I'm sure he has an opinion on Barry Bonds, just like any other baseball enthusiast would. You excited for Sunday? Very excited. Sunday, 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 Sunday. John Cena, good times. All right. Well, that's it for us today. Have a great weekend, everyone. Watch some NBA basketball. Root on those Mavs against the Bucks. No Spurs. How how the Spurs looking? Are they still beating the Jazz? Let's check it out. Good, man. Yeah, we're up by 12 right now at the end of the third. All right. End of the third. Well, hopefully by the time everyone's hearing this, they held on for a dub. All right. Take care, everyone. We'll see you Sunday.